We're starting a new series actually next week, but today's going to kind of break the seal on that series. We're calling the series Rooted. We're looking at what it means to be rooted in Christ and what happens when we're rooted in Christ. The root determines the fruit, okay? So when you know Christ, uh, the fruit of our lives becomes uh, his life in us. And we're going to take nine weeks to unpack a beautiful passage in the book of Galatians, which talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And we've not done this for a while, but we're going to just camp out for nine weeks in each one of those elements of fruit. But today, we're going to just kind of break the seal on the series by looking at an, an extraordinary passage that Paul writes to the Corinthians here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're going to pick it up in verse 16 and all the way down through verse 18, follow along. As I read, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, that little text is in the, a, a broader context of the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And one of the specific differences that Paul is pointing out is that under the Old Covenant, there was a fading away of glory, so to speak. You know, Moses went up to the mountain of God and he met with God, received the Ten Commandments. And every time Moses went up to the mountain to meet with God, he came down and there was like this glory over his face. There was a a shining of the glory of God. And, and yet that started to fade. And Moses put a veil over his face because he was afraid that the people would see that the glory was fading away. And until the next time he would go up the mountain, the veil would continue to remind him that, or, or remind the people that the glory was still there. But now Paul shifts gears a little bit and he says, actually, if that system, the old covenant, had glory, think about the glory of the new covenant. And the glory of the new covenant is when we meet with God, the spirit of the living God comes to live inside of us. The glory doesn't diminish. The glory actually increases day by day. I thought that would get an amen or something. I don't know. <laughs> Do you realize what that means? That means that we are being transformed into his image with greater glory every single day. Here's the, here's the question. Have you ever wondered if it's even possible to really live like Jesus? I mean, do you ever just stop and say, you know, for a couple of reasons we ask that question sometimes. One, because we see all the mistakes and the way we blow it in that, right? Right? And we kind of scratch our heads and we say, am I ever going to get this right? Am I ever going to really live like Jesus wants me to live? And there's kind of a mild frustration in most of our lives of the fact that we're not really living the way Jesus wants us to live, right? Can I get an amen on that? I mean, we see this, this frustration in our lives. But then there's the, the other side of that where we see other people who name the name of Christ, who say they're followers of Jesus Christ, but they don't really seem to mirror the, the quality of the life of Christ. They don't really seem, or sometimes we don't seem to manifest Christ-likeness in our lives. And that's a problem. You know, sometimes we meet people that say they're Christians and we just say, actually, they just kind of seem like a jerk to me, you know. They have bad attitudes. 
They might have apparent sin in their life. There might be the sin of, of lying or cheating or adultery. There might be the sin of racism. They might have all kinds of sin going in their life, but they proclaim to know Jesus. Now, if you've been around three crosses for very long, you know that none of us here pretend to be perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us live out the Christian life absolutely to the fullest like we could, really. The reality is every one of us could be more like Jesus today, right? Every one of us. And so there's no pressure in saying this, but the point, the point that we're sort of asking in this series is why aren't we more like Jesus if we just allow the Spirit of God to have his way in our lives? And this little text that we're looking at today is going to just give us three realities that are going to set us up for the rest of the series. And I want you to write these down if you can. It'll help you. I want you to think about these during the week. If you're taking notes on your Three Cross app or if you grab the, the paper outline on the way in, three realities that you've got to like lock into that, that are real game changers in our lives. Number one, if you're taking notes, there's this reality of conversion to the Spirit, a reality of conversion to the Spirit. Now, in verse 16, it says, but when any, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, remember in the context, he's talking about how in a similar way where Moses wore the veil to keep people from seeing the glory fading away, he likens to the Jewish people who had a veil over their eyes. They couldn't see what was incredibly obvious. They couldn't see that Jesus was Messiah, that Jesus was real life, that in Jesus, real life is found. They couldn't see it. Now, I don't know, uh, those of you that love to study really heady topics like predestination, election, you know, all these amazing topics that are found in Scripture, uh, most of the people that study uh, those topics would say of this passage, this little phrase, whenever anyone turns to the Lord... That's, that's a picture of the human side of this magnificent God side of our salvation. And what I mean by that is that God does everything in our salvation. All we do is come in faith and believe. He's done all the work. And this amazing sovereign choice of God, whether you, in the terms of predestination, God predetermined, God elected, God chose us, and yet there's this beautiful little capture where Paul says here, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, I love that. Because what that's saying is, is that when God comes to us in the power of his spirit and he converts us to himself, he sort of wakes us up to realize we need to come to him. We need to turn our lives to him. And some of us are experiencing that and we don't even know what it means. We feel these nudges and tugs in our lives. There's something we know is missing and we're looking for some kind of, you know, spiritual, you know, reality. And, and that's the Spirit of God actually sort of waking us up. And one day the Spirit of God actually converts us to himself if it's by his sovereign choice in our lives and we turn to the Lord. He converts us, we turn to the Lord. You see what that is? And right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, we see a picture of that. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord. I love that, that little term, anyone. You're in anyone. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord. And this, might, this morning, you may be sitting here realizing that you need a relationship with the living God. Now, 
Uh, the Bible reminds us that it's, it's all God's work and all God's love for us, like Ephesians 2. Put a couple scriptures up on the screen here. Let's read these out loud together. This is Ephesians 2, verses 3 through 6. Follow along. Let's read together. Let the rest, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Isn't that awesome? We were deserving wrath, but God gave us grace. Uh, I love what John, the gospel, uh, the apostle John in his gospel, he writes, Yet to all who did receive him, that's Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children, watch this, born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or of a husband's will, but what? Born of God. It's the spirit that converts our lives. And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 3. He says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Suddenly, you see, I've had people tell me, have you ever had somebody say, look, I I can't believe unless I see? In other words, seeing is believing. But that's not biblical. (laughs) You know what's biblical? Believing is seeing. We believe and then we see. We don't see first and then believe. I'm I'm a little embarrassed to tell a couple of stories here, but... um, a while back, I was, uh, I was at the gym. I come, I get my stuff. And, you know, like I've told you before, like, and everybody knows this, right? You got certain things on your person that you don't want to leave behind, right? You got your wallet, your keys, your cell phone, you know. I got this little prayer journal. And so whenever I'm packing up to go somewhere, I'm always like, you know, you know checking everything on my, my, and all of a sudden I realize I don't have my phone. Where's my phone? And I start freaking out. And I'm looking, I'm storming through my gym bag and I'm like ripping stuff out of the locker. And all of a sudden I look, it's in my hand. I'm like, oh, man, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Just a couple of weeks ago, I was playing basketball, and, and I'd like to think because I took a ball in the face that I might have been a little shaken up, but after the game, I went and I put my shoes in my bag and my mouth guard in my bag and my little goggles in my bag, and I put it all in my bag, and then I'm walking around talking to these guys, and I go, hey, guys, have you seen my basketball? And they're like, Blair, hello. And I look down, and it's on top of my bag. I'm holding my basketball. Have you seen my basketball? Okay. There are some things painfully obvious that we just don't see. And did you know that when it comes to a life that needs Christ, Jesus can be painfully obvious, but until the Spirit of God opens your eyes, you can't see. How does he open your eyes? By believing. You believe, you will see. This is the promise of Scripture. It is faith that opens our eyes. So trust in Christ. It's amazing. You're never too early to trust in Christ, and you're never too late in life to trust in Christ. Let me show you a picture. Uh, This is dear Ruth. Ruth, uh, we got it up there? Yeah, okay. So this is Ruth sat right down there. She sits in our third service most of the time. And many of you know her, well, if you come to this service, you probably don't know her, but she, over the years, has been with us. Ruth gave her life to Jesus when she was 84 years old. In this picture, she's 99. She was turning 100 next month. And just a couple of weeks ago, she had some pain in her stomach. She went to the doctor, and the doctor said, oh, my goodness, you've got advanced ovarian cancer. 
and nothing you can do. Well, she's 99. You know, they couldn't do surgery. She go, they go, what do you want? She goes, well, I'm ready to go home, you know. She was hoping to make it to 100. But, you know, when you live to eternity, what difference does 100 make anyway? <laughs> so I'm, I'm there just a couple of weeks ago in her house, and we're praying together, and just her sweet spirit. She, t- she reminds me of her story. This is a beautiful story. She was dating a guy. After her first husband died, she's dating a guy in her 80s. Okay, so just think about that for just a minute. Okay. <laughs> And they're going to a little church down in San Leandro somewhere. She's not a Christian. This guy was a Christian. Her date was a Christian. And he's taking her to church. And somehow the pastor does something where this guy just gets kind of mad. And he says, I'm never going back to that church again. And so she thinks, hmm, I've been driving by the three crosses forever. I want to go to that church. And so she and him comes to this church in in 2004. She's 84 years old. She sits in this service and suddenly the Lord starts showing her something that she's never seen before. His love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. And she gives her heart to Christ. She goes through our life development seminar. She was baptized. (laughs) And there we are in her living room just two Sundays ago, praying and thanking God for her life. She's 99. She's walked with Christ for, whatever, 15 years, 14 years. Never too late. You know, you might be in your 80s today. And by the way, the guy she was dating, he went away. Praise God. She found the Lord Jesus, you know. (laughs) Never too late. It's also never too early. You know, the next three weeks, our youth ministry is going to be doing a thing called Fall Classic for three weeks, middle school and high school, Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights. You need to be praying as a church. We need to be praying for this. And there's going to be a ton of people, a ton of young people that are coming. If you know anybody that needs Christ, you need to invite them. If you've got kids, you need to bring them because for the next three weeks, they're going to be hearing the gospel. And some of these young kids are going to turn to the Lord. And the veil's going to be taken away. And that's the work of the Spirit. The reality of the conversion to the Spirit. But there's a second thing that I want you to see in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. And that is that there's this reality of our liberation of the Spirit. Or by the Spirit. Our liberation by the Spirit. Paul says, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is... There is freedom, right? Verse 17. What's he saying there? It doesn't explain what this freedom is, but he does explain it in other places. And I want to give you just two quick things that are beautiful reminders of our liberation that Paul's talking about here. If where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. First of all, there's liberation from the penalty and the power of sin. The penalty and the power of sin. Every sin is forgiven. Amen? And no sin has its mastery over us anymore. We are free by the power of the Spirit of God. The penalty has been removed and the power has been removed. Now, do we still sin? Yes, because of our flesh. I mean, I shouldn't just say that as a default. We don't have to sin, but our flesh is always tugging at us. We live in, a, in our flesh and blood still, right? And we live in a world system that is set up to sort of dismantle our faith and everything that we think is precious to us. And so, thankfully, one day, 
the presence of sin will also be eliminated. But right now, just the penalty and the power of sin. One day, the presence of sin. That day when we go to be with Jesus. I can't wait for that day, can you? Where the presence of sin will no longer be in our lives. Only the presence and the glory of God. But now in this life, we still deal with the presence of sin, but we can now deal with sin in a different way. A couple things, a couple scriptures that would remind us. First of all, Romans 6, uh, 12 reminds us. Actually, let's back up. Uh, this is Romans 5, 15. The gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, that's Adam, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. So here we're being the contrast between the old Adam, Adam, and the new Adam, Christ. And we have, because of Christ, been set free from the penalty of sin. Thanks be to God. We are now free. Every sin I've ever committed has been forgiven. And any sin I will commit in the future has been forgiven. Does that give me a license to sin? Romans 6.1, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Paul asks the question. But it's great to know that my sins are forgiven. Past, present, future. That's liberation. Praise God. And many of us today, some of us sitting here today are still carrying our sins. We still feel guilty about our sins. We still think back about that time in our life when we did whatever we did. And we're still holding on to that. And if you know Christ, if the Spirit of God has converted you, he's also liberated you. And it's time you believe that and time you live by that. And then Romans 6 reminds us, verse 11 and 12, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you will obey its evil desires. For sin shall no longer be your master, verse 14, because you are not under the law but under grace. You're not trying to live up to the law of God because you are now under the grace of God. Your focus is to live by the grace of God. And what does the grace of God teach us? Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to live righteously, humbly, and sensibly in this present age. That's what, that's what grace teaches us. We've been liberated from the penalty and the power of sin. We've also been liberated from trying to obtain righteousness by keeping the law of God. Uh, this is a beautiful thing. We've been liberated from the, the urgency of trying to measure up to God's standard. Some of us are trying to measure up to God's standard. That really wears you out. You can't do it. The law was given not so that we could measure up. The law was given to show us that we could never measure up. And we needed something else. And that something else was a person, Jesus, who died for us and rose again from the grave. How beautiful is that, beloved? How beautiful it is to know that we no longer have to measure up. Now, do we toss the law aside? No. The law is beautiful. The law is perfect. The law reminds us of the holiness and righteousness of God. The law is great, beautiful. But we're not trying to live up to the law in order to earn the favor of God. God has already taken care of that by Christ paying our penalty. So for some of us who are trying, we should stop trying and start trusting what God has done. And this is right here in verse 17 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom from the power and penalty of sin and freedom from trying to live up to being in favor with God. There's a last thing I see here that is so beautiful, and this is all the work of the Spirit, the work in conversion, the work in liberation, and then finally there's this reality of transformation through the Spirit. Now we love this word here at Three Crosses, we love this word transformation. Uh, Everything we do is about life transformation through following Christ, right? And the, the upshot of this picture of transformation is that we are to become like Christ, or if you want to put it more in the present active, we are becoming like Christ. And that's exactly what Paul says here. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the Spirit is at work in our lives with ever-increasing glory, making us more and more and more and more like Jesus. Yes. So that we love like Jesus. So that we have peace like Jesus had. So that we have joy like Jesus had. So that we are faithful like Jesus was. So that we are good like Jesus was. So that we are kind like Jesus was. You know, it's amazing. We just come out of a series, so partnering with the Spirit of God as we go on mission in the world, we're going to actually take the next nine weeks and drill down a little bit more personally into what it means to partner with the Spirit to make us more into the image of Jesus everywhere we go. And wouldn't it be great if when people were around us, they just sort of like go, you know, I don't, I don't know really what Jesus is like, but I have a feeling he's like her or he's like him. That someone would meet Jesus because the character of our lives mirrored who Jesus is. And that's what this series is going to be about. It's going to be about asking the hard question of, am I really becoming more like Jesus? Or am I just getting more religious? And along the way of getting more religious, I'm getting kind of crotchety and mean and frustrating. And people know me at work as sort of the, the mean guy or the mean gal. I'm a terrible boss. People don't respect me. They don't trust me. Or when people meet us, they say, wow, there's, there's a person that has such beauty and winsomeness. What's going on with that person? Make us a different husband, a different wife, a different father, a different mother, a different child, a different student, a different neighbor, a different coworker, a different boss, a different citizen, fill in the blank. And we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Ever-increasing glory. So I hope you'll come along. I hope you'll take this journey with us. And I can tell you right now, after having gone the first few weeks in studying all this, um, it's going to be very uh, powerful 
because we're gonna just see where Jesus models these attributes of the fruit of the Spirit because we're, if we're tied into the root, we're gonna have the fruit. And we're gonna see in Jesus love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And those are the qualities that should be ours as followers of Jesus. And the, rea- the reality is it's not only possible, it's inevitable. And that's the great news. Now this morning, maybe you're sitting here and you know, you're investigating. Uh, You came to the service today because someone was getting baptized and they invited you to come. Or someone was dedicating their child and you came. But there's been this nudging in your heart for some time. And the nudging is the Holy Spirit Reminding you that you are loved by God, so loved by God. God wants you to know him this morning. God wants you to have a personal relationship with him this morning. No matter who you are, because whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. If you're that anyone this morning, right here, right now, you can trust in Christ. I'm so blessed we've got just a couple of minutes. Let's ask the Lord to open someone's heart. Let's do that right now. Let's pray.